0: On the National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life.
1: EWTN's largest radio affiliate, Guadalupe Radio Network, was pioneered by its co-founder, Len Oswald. After 27 years of leadership, Len is leaving the helm of Guadalupe Radio Network. The Registers, Elisa Murphy and Len Oswald, talk today about the network's beginning and how it expanded. Then we turn to a troubling fact. Suicide and depression are on the rise. Register columnist Father Roger Landry joins us to talk about hope, how to get those who are sinking into despair, especially our young people, to hope. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and your host of Register Radio. I'm joined by my co-host Matthew Bunsen, who is EWTN News' Executive Editor. The Guadalupe Radio Network, GRN, is a Catholic radio network that began its first station in 2000 in Midland, Texas, and it now has at least 38 stations across the U.S. It's the largest EWTN radio affiliate in the US and the man who co-founded the media apostolate is now retiring. The Register's Elisa Murphy spoke with Guadalupe Radio's Len Oswald about his grace-filled years of
2: leadership. Len, you spent 27 years building what is now one of EWTN's biggest radio affiliates alongside your dear friend and colleague Toya Hall, but it really wasn't radio that first brought you two together Can you tell us about a chance encounter on a pilgrimage in Venezuela?
3: Yes, that was Holy Week of 1996. Toya was the development director for the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish in Midland, Texas. She was organizing a pilgrimage to Batania, Venezuela, which is an approved Marian apparition site. I met Toya for the first time on that pilgrimage. The expectation by the pilgrims on this particular pilgrimage was that we hoped to meet Maria Esperanza, the visionary and mystic. We had the honor and privilege to meet with her for 10 hours on Holy Saturday, which she had never done with any previous group before. Maria had the ability to read hearts. For me personally, she shared two events in my life. One event was from the past, which only my deceased mother knew about and one event would happen in the future. Sharing the event from the past really got my attention. I knew this was a very special lady, so I was very attentive to what she was going to say regarding the future event. She then shared how I would be signing several documents in the coming weeks, and how I would be using my strong organizational and planning skills for a special project that was about to happen. Unbeknown to me, Toy and three other members of her prayer group, felt they were being called to do something, but they were unsure as to what they were supposed to do. So their hope was that the pilgrimage would confirm what God was calling them for. As it turned out, shortly after returning to Midland, they felt they were being called to build a Catholic resource center in West Texas. As part of that calling, they asked me if I would be the president of the organization called La Promesa Foundation. La Promesa is Spanish for the Promise. So the organization was named in honor of the promises Toya and the three members of her prayer group had previously made to Our Lady of Guadalupe. That is a quick summary of how it all began.
2: You know, that's such a, a providential moment. And in another yet providential moment in 1999, when JP2 was passionately talking about the new evangelization. Mixed with some late-night viewing on EWTN of Mother Angelica urging viewers, if you buy and build the station, we'll give you the programming for free, you learned about a station that Elvis Presley had once visited. Can you tell us about acquiring KJBC?
3: One morning back in 1999, Toya contacted me about how she had watched Mother Angelica's TV show the night before. She shared with me that Mother had said that if the lady would buy a radio station, she would provide the programming for free. So that is what we decided to do, to buy a radio station in West Texas, which we hoped would become the seventh Catholic radio station in the United States. The Holy Spirit led us to KJBC-AM, a country music station, which as you said, Elvis Presley visited back in the 1950s. We immediately started a fundraising project to buy the station. We called it Project Millennium. The goal was to go on the air with Catholic Radio in our Lord's Jubilee year, 2000. We were very blessed to go on the air on July 19th in the year 2000.
2: Wow, that's such an amazing story. You know, and not many people know of the long days of starting a Catholic radio station, you know, because it's all volunteer-based, getting it off the ground, and, and there's a lot of time, and you were putting in Double, if not triple duty uh, with your day job as an executive at an oil company and working the deal and the daily duties of La Promesa. But the sleepless nights and hard work started to pay off when you heard about the impact KJBC was having on people's lives. What were you hearing?
3: Yes, the impact was indeed significant. We were hearing about the impact in three different ways. First, there were more visitors to the Guadalupe Resource Center who were wanting to check out books and videos. After hearing a program on the radio, they wanted to obtain more information about what they had heard. Second, there were RCIA class leaders in the area parishes who said that four Protestant ministers had joined RCIA due to listening to Catholic radio. And third, there were priests who were sharing with us that there had been a noticeable increase in the number of confessions for people who had been away from the church for long periods. 10, 20, 30 years and longer. The priests asked him what brought them back to confession, and they said it was due to listening to Catholic radio. So again, the impact on people's lives was significant.
2: You know, and it really does put so much purpose into what Catholic radio really is. And it was back in 2005, you attended the EWTN radio conference in Birmingham. Your desire to grow the network was ignited by a bit of some strong words from Bishop Baker speaking that year at the conference. Can you tell us about that?
3: Yes, Bishop Baker, who was the bishop of all of South Carolina at the time, was the keynote speaker. He challenged everyone at the conference to do more for Catholic radio. He said that we needed to go into the deep waters in order to save more souls. Many of the conference attendees still had not put a radio station on the air yet, so they took it to mean that they needed to get their stations on the air. For us, since we had nine stations on the air at the time, we took that to mean that we needed to go into big markets. In 2005, there were no Catholic radio stations in any of the top 10 radio markets. To make a long story short, Bishop Baker's words let us go into Dallas-Fort Worth, the number five radio market in the U.S.
2: Wow, that is impressive. And that was just 2005. That's really not that long ago, you know, um... You know, it's interesting with your story, Lena, as things were progressing, you know, you were, you were knee deep, head deep, maybe, in a lot of the things you had to do. Family time was becoming less and less, uh, more time at the office, uh, working on this new um, enterprise. And at one point, you had decided to throw in the towel, actually writing a letter of resignation that ultimately was never submitted. What changed your heart and opened up a new devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus?
3: Yes, that is correct. As you shared, I was going to throw in the towel and resign as president. However, God's timing is always perfect. Right before I was going to submit my resignation, a big envelope addressed to me came in the mail. The envelope had two items in it. The first item was a heartfelt letter from a man who was incarcerated in a prison located in one of our West Texas radio markets. In his letter, he shared about how Catholic Radio had changed his life for the better in prison and that his life would also change for the better when he was eventually released from prison. He thanked me and the GRN for all the hard work we were doing to keep the radio stations on the air. His thank you letter made me think about my own resignation letter. The second item in the envelope was a hand-drawn picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus using colored pencils. It was approximately 11 inches by 17 inches and was incredibly beautiful. It was inscribed with the words, Thank you, Guadalupe Radio Network. This picture really touched my own heart and was what caused me to change my mind and not resign after all. Again, God's timing was perfect.
2: That's just such a beautiful story because... Radio does permeate so many different corners of the world that don't have access uh, to these messages, even remote areas that don't have access to sacraments. Of course, another providential acquisition came with the GRN affiliate in Washington, D.C., which is really the nucleus of our country. And so many laws are established that they don't protect the unborn, don't protect the family I was once blessed to be at the helm there producing EWTN's Drive Time Morning Show there at the nation's capital with a beautiful Capitol building right in our view. And I would hear about fundraising issues at times. But God seemed to be at work in this as well as you were able to buy that frequency outright.
3: Let me share a little background about WMET 1160, our 50,000-watt AM station that blankets our nation's capital. As I shared earlier, we went on the air in Dallas-Fort Worth in 2006. That was followed by a 100,000-watt FM station in San Antonio in 2007. In 2022, we were blessed again when we were able to install a new 50000 thousand watt transmitter which greatly improved our signal quality we are so thankful to our lord that we have now been on the air in our nation's capital for 13 years and two weeks praise god
2: amen it's such a beautiful beautiful testimony and witness to god's grace and relying on god in this way you know len you and toya built up against all odds you know from a mary and guadalupe resource center and lending library Now into a budding system of stations that is now one of the largest EWTN affiliates. And it follows the same faith and determination that Mother Angelica had when she had yet $200 in her pocket and a garage. What have you learned about relying on God and all that you've done with such a beautiful story of evangelization?
3: In my secular position as an executive in the oil and gas industry, I did not rely on God very much for making daily decisions, both big and small. However, with the GRN, that all changed. I tried to pattern my faith and determination after Mother Angelica's perfect example. So that meant trying to seek out God's will before doing anything. I know our apostolate has been blessed simply because we have tried to do His will in everything we do. It has not been easy. We have faced a lot of challenges over the last 27 years, but when you look at the big picture, there is no way we could have accomplished what we did without faith in God Almighty.
2: It's such a beautiful story, Len, and and it continues. It's still growing, and you are helping out behind the scenes. I understand you currently operate 39 stations, but that will soon increase to 45 in the coming weeks, acquiring six more stations in Texas. Can you tell us what's next?
3: As I shared earlier, we have always wanted to do God's will. So we are always looking for signs as to where the Holy Spirit is leading us to go next. We do not know. That answer will come in time. I do know that we do not want to see any EWTN affiliates lost due to a station operator wanting to retire or cease operation for another reason. So the GRN is open to speaking to anyone about taking over their radio station operation. We definitely feel that is one area that is next for us as far as station acquisition.
2: Wow. You know, there's many listeners uh, with us today today. Hearing this story, if anyone is feeling convicted to start a Catholic radio station in their area where they live, what advice would you offer them?
3: They need to reach out immediately to someone who is currently involved in Catholic radio station operations to help them. I would recommend two ways to obtain that help. Contact the EWTN radio group, Jack Williams or Steve Splinkowski, or contact the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are always willing and excited to help anyone who wants to start a Catholic radio station.
2: Well, that's beautiful, Len, and I can't thank you enough for all that you've done for Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Radio.
1: When we come back, we'll hear from Register columnist Father Roger Landry on how to offer real hope to youth who are on the brink of despair. This is Register Radio on EWTN. Stay tuned for more.
0: If you need your news on the go, read The Register online. But if you want to take your time and savor the stories, then subscribe to the National Catholic Register's print edition. And with award-winning Catholic journalism that goes beyond what you'll find from any secular news service, you'll get the real story behind the events that unfold over the course of the year. Try The Register for free today and get it delivered to your home, office, or parish. Join the Catholics who depend on the Register for its faithful and courageous reporting. Get six issues free today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully.
1: O sacred heart of Jesus,
4: filled with infinite love, broken by our ingratitude and pierced by our sins, yet loving us still, accept the consecration we make to thee of all that we are and all that we have. Take every faculty of our souls and bodies. Only day by day draw us nearer and nearer to thy sacred heart. And there as we shall hear the lesson, teach us thy holy way. Amen.
0: Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN.
1: Welcome back, I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register, joined by my co-host, Matthew Bunsen. The Center of Disease Control published earlier this year, it's Report on Youth Risk Behavior. And it's a it's a trend report from twenty eleven to twenty twenty one. And the study showed an alarmingly negative picture of the mental and spiritual health of high school students in the U.S. And with us to discuss the highlights or maybe I should say the lowlights of this report is Father Roger Landry, a priest of the Diocese of Fall Rivers Fall River, Massachusetts, and currently a Catholic chaplain at Columbia University. Father Roger has been appointed a Eucharistic preacher by the U.S. bishops, uh, National Eucharistic Preacher, and he is also a Registered Columnist, and in that capacity he wrote a column called Suicide, Depression, and a Crisis of Hope, offering real help to our youth in despair. Father Landry, thank you for joining us today.
4: Great to be with you, Jeanette. Great to be with you, Matthew, my teammates for Pope Benedict's funeral in Rome, and This is a very disturbing report that you mentioned, Jeanette, where it showed just how precarious the situation is for so many of the teens that we love and care about. Uh, 42% of high school teens, this CDC report said, are persistently sad or hopeless. 22% in the previous year seriously considered attempting suicide. And 18% had actually come up with a concrete plan of how they would end their life, 10% actually trying to carry out that plan, but thanks be to God they failed. And so we're dealing with a crisis where two out of five high schoolers are chronically sad and hopeless, and one out of five is regularly thinking about taking his or her life, and so we've got to do something.
1: Oh my goodness we do have to do something and and it was also interesting father uh, Landry the difference between boys and girls in this report uh, uh young girls had a much higher rate of of all of this all of the unhappiness um uh and and, and even the attempts it's it's very concerning you note in your article uh, that, uh, you know, many media, when this report came out, focused on the negative effects. Everybody's trying to figure out why, right? Why, why has this happened? And they focused on the negative effects of social media. Um, but you point out there's probably more to it. Uh, how do you think we've gotten here?
4: So there's, without question, uh, a negative consequence of social media, particularly for girls, of whom said they were persistently sad or hopeless, and 30% of whom had seriously considered suicide in the previous year, uh, in those categories, had increased by 60% in just the last 10 years. And so that's why the social scientists looking at this said, what's happened in the last 10 years that has made the the situation so much worse? And what they typically come up with is social media in which many of our young girls, as they're hitting puberty and a little bit after, are constantly comparing themselves to all the other images on Instagram or Snapchat or for some of the old timers, Facebook and Twitter. And they, they recognize that they're a little wanting and um, not to mention is their cyber bullying in some of these chat rooms that they have to endure. But as a result of it, they're just not, um, content with what their life is. But I think it's dealing with high school students as a parish priest for many years, as well as now being a chaplain at a university where I get a lot of these 18-year-olds coming as freshmen. I think there are some deeper issues. Uh, there's clearly a crisis of hope underneath this persistent sadness and this consideration of anyone's life. Many of the young are growing up without a clear answer to the question of why to live. What gives motivation to change their circumstances for the better, not to mention this hope that they'd be able to change their environment in the world. And I think that a crisis of hope is linked to a crisis of faith. We've seen in other surveys, not the CDC survey, that for Generation Z, uh, kids, those born between 1999 and 2015, they're experiencing a rapidly, uh, or rapid decline in faith in God. Since 2010, religious practice among high schoolers has dropped by over 25%. 13% of high school kids now define as atheists, 16% as agnostic, Um, and many of the others who still define themselves as believers are believers theoretically but not necessarily practically in terms of praying each day, in terms of regularly worshiping God. And hopelessness, Pope Benedict once defined with St. Paul is living without God in the world. And so if we're creating a culture in which young people are not being raised with the gift of faith, they're living concretely without God in the world, even though God's still there. They're unaware of His presence. And that's, that's something that when they hit the larger questions of life, the sufferings, the setbacks, the failed tests or courses, the breakups in their relationships, a lot of the times they don't know where to turn in order to be able to move on. And so I think that this is one of the factors behind a really troubling stat.
1: Yeah, Father, real quick, uh, the, the trends note from 2011 to 2021, uh, within the, the, those data points, what did we see uh, in, in terms of the impact of COVID in all of this?
4: So 2019 was, sorry, 2021 was right at the first opening of COVID, and so the social scientists looked into the data to see whether there was a huge COVID component. So they looked at family of origin circumstance. They looked at um, schooling circumstances, friendships at school or bullying. None of those factors changed in any statistical direction from the 2011 data point. And so they were basically ruled out. They, they, they looked at other considerations that the social scientists would as well to see if there were any changes there that we would have predicted, but they hadn't yet appeared in the data by 2021. Uh, the main thing that they look at is around 2014, 2015, there was a huge social media explosion in the use of, uh, by the young, of social media. And so that uh, that was where they started to hone in. At the same time, we know that that's exactly what's happened with so many young girls in teenage, um, in their teenage years, uh, identifying as um, boys trapped in girls' bodies, that the social media was leading them to try to escape from their own feminine identity at that time period because of social media, and so there's it, it, there's a strong temptation to link social media as one of the major contributing causes here.
1: Well, it's, it's easy to throw your hands up and, and almost despair and trying to find solutions, but how do we cope with this? How do we help?
4: So I, I think first is we've got to reach out to our young people and just ask how they're doing, ask how their friends are doing, to ask the somewhat difficult question, you know, are you happy? And if you're persistently sad, as the majority of our girls say that they are, to try to see what can be done there now. The relationship with with God and that there's greater meaning even to our suffering is important. To teach them how to handle setbacks and that the setbacks can actually form our character, not so much to be afraid of it. We have to address straight on the multi-pronged crisis of the family, because if they don't feel loved at home, despite all that parents individually try to do for their kids, if they're in a situation in which they might not experience the type of love in a way that appeals to their growing hearts. that could be very, very dangerous uh, because the human person can't live without love. And then I think we likewise have to address the movement in our culture that tries to say that suicide is a good thing, like the end of life um, uh, movements in Oregon and in other places. Once we start saying that for some, life might not be worth living, our young people who are looking to their seniors in order to be able to give a sense of meaning and direction of life, are going to be taking the wrong message. So we likewise need to oppose that message that pushes physician-assisted suicide or euthanasia very, very seriously because it's creating a negative uh, trend in our beloved young people.
1: Absolutely, Father Landry. I was looking at another study as I prepared to talk with you today. It was a by the Barna Group and. He was talking about the ways young people kind of stay in the church. How did they stay engaged? And one of the the things that they suggested um, from their studies is that uh, 59% of people who stay in the church report friendship as that which helps them to stay. And that's not just friendship with a a peer. It's a friendship with an adult who is active in the church. And so I think you're right on that, you know, our role— in speaking to young people about God, you know, in, in being, um, a, you know, adults, parents, of course, but, but also friends, going deep with them and, and asking them how they are, just staying connected in a very real sense is so crucially important. I've heard that so many times from youth ministers as well. In an age
4: of isolation, where so many have Facebook friends and Twitter followers and Instagram followers, etc., the need for sincere, deep friendship that somebody cares has increased. And that is one of the things that we do very, very well in the Catholic Church, that our agape, our Christ-like self-sacrificial love, impacts our philia, our love of friendship. And our young people uh, need that today more than ever, and it actually can be life-saving so much of our youth ministry in our parishes. So that Barna study shows uh, just what the consequences are positively when we do perish life correctly.
1: Well, Father Landry, thank you so much for bringing this to the Register audience today and on ncregister.com, and I invite our listeners to go to ncregister.com uh, to find this story and many more. Thanks for joining us on Register Radio here on EWTN. For Matthew Bunsen and our producer Jeff Burson, I'm Jeanette DeMello, and until next week, I pray God bless you.
0: For more information about the National Catholic Register and about Register Radio, go to ncregister.com. Podcasts of Register Radio are posted on ncregister.com and on ewtn.com. Join us next week at this time for Register Radio on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.